Hello, fabulous friends, fans, and superstars. Welcome to your horoscope for the week of November 5th, 2023. I am your astrologer, Nadia Shaw. Thank you for being here. It is a remarkable astrological week. Without a doubt, big moves happening in the sky now. Boy, is this a very special time. I've noticed an interesting phenomenon that has been taking place as of late for the last few weeks and for a couple more weeks as well. And that is that we have started most weeks with a uh, easier energy, but then we end the week on something big that feels like a crescendo, a big shift of energy that takes place. Now, here's the thing. Would we have something like that? This ongoing pattern, well, it can be rather tiring to us, um, energetically, certainly, psychically as well, because it represents a time of varying energies, but they can be in such contrast. And the really big energies, we can feel them building that much more. That can be exhausting. And so just like many of us have had to cultivate ways in which to practice self-care, uh, you might want to amp some of that up now as well. Um, if we take a step back, I think of last week, it was the end of the week when we had Saturn direct. Uh, the week before that, there was an eclipse. The week before that, we had these Pluto squares. And before that, another eclipse. Now, navigating forward, we're going to next week end with the Sun conjunct Mars. Uh, after that, we are going to end the week with Mars uh, speaking with Saturn, and that is going to be tense in and of itself as well. So you can see here, right, there's a lot going on in the sky. This week, though, it is such a wild card, and there's just such a buildup of energy. The shift certainly is going to be felt. It will be announced in our own lives in some way. Mars is currently in its home sign, well, its ancient home sign of Scorpio. And whenever a planet is in its home sign, it's able to bring forward its best qualities that much easier. In the sign of Scorpio, this is emotional intensity. It is strategy and truth and perception. And while a shadow side of it, of course, can be unfairness, uh, and worse, but the more enlightened side of this can be getting to the core of an issue and transforming it from the inside out towards something that is much more honest, more authentic, more healed, and better than it was before. Well, it is going to be that Mars that stands across Uranus in the sign of Taurus, an earth sign at that and you put these two together. This is a huge wild card factor. And with Mars speaking to adrenaline and the very suddenness that Uranus represents, well, you can see here that very quickly, some of us are going to find ourselves spurred to action, perhaps over the top action in the process. It's the last thing that we expect that can come in have us feeling the last thing we expected ourselves to feel. That's what I mean by a wild card factor. But the thing is that we can feel it building. We can feel like a turning point is up ahead. And oppositions of all kinds provide us with that opportunity. A real opportunity to reflect, 
to understand the varying motivations within us, to address matters outside of us as well, and to find our balance within them. Mars opposite Uranus, though, is an energy of extremes. I do want to be straightforward with that as well. It's emotional, intense extremes, but the surprise quality either is going to represent a big breakthrough rooted in that very core honesty that the energy of Scorpio promises, or it's going to go a different way which is very erratic. I'm hoping that we as a collective, of course, choose the more enlightened path always. And that more enlightened path can really help us in an instant realize what doesn't matter, what is superficial, what it is that we don't need to carry into our future. That realization and the actions we take from that space promise breakthrough energy now. This doesn't need to be a breakdown unless that's what we might need as part of growing something and growing ourselves stronger than we were before. It can be absolute new beginnings that come out of nowhere and what it is that we no longer need to carry into our future, well, it could just leave us now. In some cases, well, this might be an uncomfortable process in other cases, very quickly, we are really relieved and really happy by what it is that has exited our lives. And remember, it is Mars that represents embodiment, the experience of life itself, and feeling a sense of the life energy moving through us. And where it is that perhaps we'd carried something that has become um, a way in which we hide or uh, covers up that very life force, burdens us so that we can't fully bring forward that life force. Well, that very quickly, spontaneously, kind of on its own exiting can be a great gift of this time. Ultimately, whatever it is that moves us towards greater love and greater wisdom, whatever it is that helps us to live more fully and maybe, if we're lucky, glimpse some sense of all there is that we have yet to do in this lifetime, well, that's when we're using this energy as intended to awaken the life force and to direct the life force towards our own freedom and that of other people as well. And freedom from our own regrets, freedom from uh, the things that have weighed us down, the sadness that we felt, the guilt that we've carried, but also the recognition of where it is now into the future, we actually have power towards positive change. That can really help lighten our load that much more and bring with it a renewed enthusiasm to live that much more fully. And so the thing is, any opposition represents that turning point moment on the way there, though, especially with these planets. Chances are we're going to feel that energy building, the frustration, the uncertainty before the breakthrough that can be possible for us now. And, you know, on the way there, at least early in the week, we've got some really beautiful energies at play, certainly some lovely energies of Mercury in Scorpio, first connecting in supreme harmony with Neptune, and then on Thursday connecting in harmony with Pluto. I love these energies because 
It is Mercury that has to do with mind and making mind level connections. It's the energy of intellect. And in the sign of Scorpio, I think about things like talk therapy, right? Why do we engage in something like talk therapy or even just talk things out? I often surprise people uh, at how willing I am to just, if something's going on, if something's bugging me, if something just happened, if I find myself uh, in a situation, even if it's someone brand new, I will talk it out. I can't tell you how many an Uber driver <laughs> has been sort of a makeshift uh, therapy session for me in some interesting ways. I'm sure I'm memorable to some of them out there, but I've done this with just about every friend and many professional alliances as well. Yeah, I'm going to talk it out. I want to understand what's going on. What am I feeling? What are my options? And there's something very powerful that happens when we talk with the intention of truth and transformation. It is an energy ultimately that's sort of stuck in, we can call it the lower chakras. By talking, we raise the vibration, we raise the energy to the intellect, and there it transforms through our awareness, through our willingness to engage with healthy detachment, whatever it is that we might be feeling. And then that transformed energy is able to then reach our heart and change us in positive ways. That's the promise, even the magic, especially at the beginning of the week, that can be on offer to us. Now you add to this, the beginning of the week also holds a beautiful alignment between Venus and Pluto. I love this energy because it is, uh, given that both planets are in Earth signs with Venus in Virgo and, of course, Pluto in Capricorn, sort of these last few weeks, it is going to be the first uh, dip into a brand new year that we are going to have Pluto move back into Aquarius. We had a little taste of that last year. And then in the fall, we get... Pluto just dipping into Capricorn again for a few weeks, but then that's it. We're not going to have Pluto in Capricorn again for the rest of our lives, unless, you know, we stay alive for another 250 years and, you know, why not? I'll meet you there for sure. So we get these windows right now where Pluto in an earth sign and anytime any planet moves through an earth sign, it's going to connect with that Pluto in supreme harmony, as is the case now. With both Pluto and Venus being in Earth signs, there's a very embodied, even sensual quality to what is playing out with this. It invites us to be present for our lives, embodied here and now, but also to enjoy it, to see how it is that joy and love can transform things in a real way and in a practical way. That's the gift of Venus trying Pluto. So we've got these beautiful energies on the lead up and then Friday comes and Mercury changes signs, moving into the sign of Sagittarius and very quickly moves to speak with Saturn in a conversation of tension that astrologers call a square. It is Mercury in Sagittarius that turns our mind towards more optimistic matters uh, invites us to expand our horizons, to think more positively, to speak more positively as well. But Saturn, of course, is the reality of the situation, but also the limits of how far that can take us. 
And I think that's something, that contrast is something that a lot of us are going to have to address in our own lives in some way. And certainly when we consider the collective as well. Sagittarius is the energy of international relations, the foreigner as well. And then Saturn, of course, in the sign of Pisces is the dream. And how can we actually manifest it? Is it even possible to manifest some dream, some more enlightened sense of what we could be? I think that's going to be part of the conversation as we start moving towards the end of the week where we feel as if perhaps there are things we really want to say, however, we feel held back or we think it might be a good idea to hold back, where there's positivity and optimism we really want to focus on, and yet here's the thud of reality taking us in a different direction. It can be hard to reconcile those two things, and yet that's where our work is individually and as a collective. But this happens on the lead up to that opposition of Mars and Uranus. And whereas Saturn puts a lid on the optimism of Mercury and Sagittarius, it is as if whatever we were holding back, whatever it is that we've strived to be honest about within ourselves, it just gives way to a situation or a moment where we don't want to hold back anymore, where we feel as if we're carrying obligations, responsibilities, and heaviness of our past, of tradition maybe, of our ancestors maybe, when we can now free ourselves from it to truly understand, to get to some truth, some core understanding uh, can help us to then that much more open to what healthy freedom looks like for us. So I think that collectively, certainly considering world events right now, but also in our own lives, is going to be part of the invitation that finds us. Now, there's another energy that I do want to mention as well. We could call this a secondary energy because it involves a, a asteroid, Athena. Now, my dear friend, Andy of Wise Ass Astrology, I know you've seen him on my channel before. Uh, I've known him for so many years. He's one of the most brilliant astrologers I've ever known. And I, I don't say that because he's my friend, although he is, but really objectively brilliant guy. And Andy is not a fan of using asteroids very much. <laughs> so he tells me about that sometimes. Like, no, it's not that. It's not. Look at the planets, right? Like, stay true to the planets is sort of his thing. Uh, and it's part of his depth of understanding that he's able to glean so much just from the planets. But certainly in modern astrology, we've started incorporating more and more asteroids. And there are moments when they do kind of get my attention, as is the case now. It is going to be on Tuesday that Athena is going to conjunct the South Node. So let's talk about the creation myth of Athena. I think that tells us so much about the asteroid, and you know I love those creation myths to help us to understand how this symbol is likely going to speak to us. Um, so there was Zeus, right? Zeus, Jupiter, and his first wife, was uh, Metis. Now, Metis uh, was a goddess in her own right, the goddess of wisdom, and she actually helped Jupiter to uh, go to his father Saturn 
and open up Saturn's stomach and release his brothers, Pluto and Neptune. Um, and this was a myth that I spoke of uh, at length in a very recent week. I think it was about two weeks ago. So you may want to look at that again to understand that creation myth. And of course, I do have my book, Prayers to the Sky, where I discuss uh, creation myths of the major planets. Now, having said that, yeah, it was Jupiter that was with Methus. And Methus was talking a lot, right? She was giving him a lot of like insights and wisdom and prophecies and things. And she was kind of annoying Jupiter with all of this. Uh, so Jupiter said, look, uh, enough already. Please don't go on about your wisdom and things like that. I'm going to do what I'm going to do. She wouldn't stop. So Jupiter decides to consume Methus. And in consuming Methus, she began to talk to Zeus and give him all these prophecies, so much so that it became even louder a voice within himself. Uh, she would not stop talking. She kept giving him prophecies. He didn't like this. Um, and so one day he goes to his son, Hephaestus, and says, help me out with this. This person is not being quiet. Uh, I have such a headache because of this. Well, he takes an axe and he cracks open the skull of Jupiter and out pops Athena, fully grown as an adult, uh, ready in her own right and in her own power as a goddess. And of course, when you think about the city Athens, it is named after Athena as well. And so Athena has very interesting myths in and of her own right, um, very competitive, very much about skill and cunning, and that being a type of wisdom as well, including wisdom in war. Uh, she's helped out many a warrior through their different battles, including Hercules. Um, the thing is, though, she took a lot of pleasure in doing these competitive things that weren't always very nice. Uh, to others. So sometimes she could be part of causing some strife, if you will. But one of the more interesting parts of her story is that because she emerges fully formed as an adult, um, she is thought to have a measure of maturity and insight and not necessarily ruled by those, you know, very basic human uh, functions and drives and, and the primal drives that we might have. She's seen as a representative of elevating that energy, bringing whatever base energies might be there to intellect so that they transform through intellect into wisdom, of which she is the embodiment of. So here we have Athena, and then we have the South Node. So the South Node, represents a doorway of exit, karmic closures. The North Node, when activated, speaks to the new coming in. But with the South Node, we have people, places, things, situations leaving. When a planet or an asteroid conjuncts the South Node, there can be a very notable sense of some transformation in the energy represented by and embodied by 
that particular planet or asteroid, but it can often also represent specific people, uh, notable people at that. With the South Node, we tend to see the crap, right? Um, this is the dragon's tail, uh, whereas the North Node is the dragon's head, the head intellect. The tail covers the anus. It's what we're releasing as a collective, as humanity. And so I find this a very fascinating connection between the South Node and Athena that is set to take place, uh, whether it is collectively that an Athena-like figure comes into focus now, uh, maybe represents in some way what it is that we as humanity don't really like about ourselves, what we might be wanting to release, um, maybe a figure that represents sort of not necessarily an elated presence, uh, what we want to move away from in some way. Uh, these are some possible ways in which this energy can show up for us. And that includes in our own lives as well. Depending on where this conjunction is taking place for you, it's going to speak volumes to where you might notice an Athena-like figure exiting your life. This is about seeing what is less than desirable, what we as humanity want less of. If we're really going to evolve in positive directions, if we're going to evolve towards greater love and greater wisdom, that can't happen unless we acknowledge what it is that we are actually working to put behind us. And in some way, this Athena energy of hyper-competitiveness um, of skill, yes, which is great, and of strategy, but it should not be for its own sake. It should be for some higher aim. We're going to get a chance to see what that is for us as a collective and what it is truly that we are now confronting that maybe isn't working for us navigating forward from here. Remember, the North Node is in the sign of Aries, the South Node in the sign of Libra. And Libra is about diplomacy and diplomatic relationships. And so we have been seeing how messy all of that can be and what it is for individuals to own their power, their light, their will, and how that can help elevate us that much more, recognizing individuality and the blessing that is uh, to exercise one's agency, one's free will, and how that can help all of us is part of the focus of this time, especially given uh, the South Node in Libra and the North Node in Aries. With the South Node activated, I think we are going to have to pay attention in some ways. What examples are coming forward of the things that we are wanting to and working towards moving away from. What I love about this week for us, there's so much here. It is a valuable and meaningful astrological moment. I am going to say this week, it is a bit of a roller coaster, right? We get that powerful activation of the South Node, and then we get that real wild card energy at the end of the week. My hope is that that energy at the end of the week in some way can free us from burdens. It can lead us to no longer want to play games. 
uh, with ourselves or with others, uh, to be manipulative with ourselves or with others. Instead, it is an invitation to move towards a breakthrough. It doesn't have to be a breakdown unless it is a breaking down of what we no longer need in our life. And what we no longer need is ultimately whatever it is that gets in the way of our unique journey towards greater love and greater wisdom. It's possible that awareness around what we're moving away from is embodied by a particular cultural figure at this time. However, I hope that we don't get too caught up in the external uh, as much as that can really scream for our energy at times. There's something very powerful when we stop and contemplate instead our own reactions and our own participation in how it is that we are co-creating the unfolding of the universe. That sense of co-creation becomes a very active principle. And where it is that our actions are grounded in love and wisdom, well, that becomes one of the ways in which we help all of us move in that more loving and wise direction. Well, thank you so much for watching. What do you love about this week? Let me know in the comments below. I love reading you guys. And to prove it to you, here are some of my most recent favorite comments. Thank you to everybody who likes, who comments, who subscribes, who shares, who thumbs up. All of it means so much. I'm so grateful for you. Thank you. And of course, if you want to know how so much of this week speaks to you and your sign, log on to NadiaShawSuperstars.com where you get expanded exclusive video scopes for just $3 a month with Choose Your Membership Rate. Now, higher tiers get you things like all access passes to Synchronicity University events, consultations with me, and so much more. All of this in the superstar space at NadiaShawSuperstars.com. Links are in the description below. Synchronicity University has some incredible programs that have already begun. They are underway right now with superstar astrologers, including Yuridia Robles with Mayan Astrology, uh, Maria Blaquier with Draconic Astrology, and of course, one of our most popular teachers, Mark Lawrenson, the one and only Mark Lawrenson, uh, with the soul's mission in forecasting. So you can join individual classes, you can sign up, whatever has already been taught is available as an instant download, and you can join live or just be on the mailing list so you know you're going to get that uh, download after the fact, whether you can join live or not, you'd be very welcome. I am going to focus now on these speaker series because that is very exciting and underway. Uh, just this past weekend, we began the November 2023 speaker series with April Cosmic Homegirl. I love April so much. I know you've seen her so much on my channel, that's for sure. And it is April who taught on the ascendant and your appearance. And you can get that as an instant download now. Now, coming up in the weeks ahead, we are going to have Mark McGowan. Uh, he is a TV star featured as a medium on Black Ink VH1. And he is going to be talking about exploring what needs to be healed in the chart. He has this really unique way of blending mediumship and astrology. We are going to have Akila Moon. Akila Moon, also one of my favorites. She's back looking at Black Moon Lilith and Venus in your chart 
and how they work together. We will have Preeti Insight, who is going to teach intuitive tarot. And we are going to have Angeles Lopez, who's going to be teaching a specific technique called Time Lord Periods. So there's so much incredible learning happening right now. It is underway at synchronicityuniversity.com. You can sign up for individual classes now. Links are in the description below. I have books. You know, I love sharing my books. I love writing books as well. But yes, five books are out there at the moment. My first book, Astrology Realized, is sort of a historical overview and a understanding of the philosophical development of astrology through time to the present day. And it's also a guide to uh, read natal charts. It's a beginner's guide to astrology. My second book is called The Body and the Cosmos. And this takes the ideas of Plato that he presents in Timaeus and applies it to the astrological zodiac and includes meditations for each sign for the different parts of your body. Prayers to the Sky, I mentioned this earlier. Uh, this looks at the origin myths of the different major planets. And I consider this book sort of like astrological magic light. So it's a great introduction, like stepping into astrological magic to see if you like it. And from there, you can decide where it is that your practice might take you. The universe is wise and loving. Now, this is all about the nodes in astrology. Uh, it goes through uh, the different placements of the nodes, like through the houses and the signs. Uh, but really, this book, uh, the beginning of it, is what is so near and dear to my heart because it is sort of a manifesto of why astrology matters and astrology is an act of resistance and why it is so deeply meaningful a practice for the collective, but also uh, to me as an individual as well. And my fifth book I co-wrote actually with the one and only Yuridia Robles. It is Mayan astrology. So she's one of the leading Mayan astrologers in the world. And this is taking her wisdom through several conversations we had and putting it into my own words. But it is her knowledge that is presented in this book, Mayan Astrology. Now, Astrology Realized and Mayan Astrology are available in Spanish as well as English. So all these books are available on Amazon and wherever books are sold right now. Links are in the description below. And thank you. Thank you so much for this moment with you. Thank you for your trust. Uh, I love sharing this astrological journey with you. But of course, as of late, you've seen the background switch up. Thank you uh, for the enthusiasm you bring for my travels. And yeah, now I'm in Uruguay. I'm in Montevideo. At some point, I'm going to make my way to uh, Punta del Este, which is about two hours outside of Montevideo, uh, and that is before I head to Puerto Rico, which is like uh, sort of going to be this incredible, wonderful uh, cherry on top because I'm going to see the last concerts of Daddy Yankee, and you know I love him so much if you've watched me for a while and you follow me on social media. So if you are in any of these places, I would love to meet you. I would love to hug you. It's always so much fun meeting friends and fans on the road. And so, yes, that could be incredible. Let me know if you are anywhere that I am. Uh, and we'll see if that is part of divine wisdom uh, for that to come together. And thank you so much to all the incredible people that I met on 
the road so far. Uh, I'm thinking especially about recently having spent time in Buenos Aires in Argentina. Uh, and there was just so much love there. And I also want to be sure to give a shout out to uh, two incredible teachers of mine who happen to be Argentinian and happen to either now be teaching at or will be teaching at or did teach at Synchronicity University. And they include Maria Blaquier uh, and also Alejo Lopez. So they really helped me to feel that much more at home in Argentina. And I'm so grateful for them. Brilliant astrologers, I'll tell you. I feel so fortunate to work with them and to know them as friends as well. And thank you. Thank you to all of you out there. Know that virtually in one way or another, I'm sending you a massive hug. I bring so much gratitude to this moment with everything happening in the sky uh, for me to be some part of your sacred journey. I am truly so grateful for that. So thank you. And thank you again for watching. It'll be a great week. Enjoy.